Shattering Millennial Stereotypes. That is the subject, in part, of today's podcast. You're listening to the Karen 10 Podcast, where we bring our alumni back inside Karen University in just 10 minutes. No doubt you've heard lots and lots of people complaining these days about millennials. But I also imagine that you know a number of young people who fit not into this category because they absolutely defy those stereotypes. Well, today I have the pleasure of spending a few minutes with two grads who have indeed shattered said stereotypes, especially in the, <laughs> in the realm of being innovative young philanthropists. Saritha, stop making motions. <laughs> Speaking of, okay. <laughs> uh, I guess this qualifies as another Karen 10 on the road because uh, we are here around Saritha and Mike Rothermel's kitchen table, literally. Um, still having crumbs from uh, the wonderful dinner that we shared and Mike's excellent Zappa Toscana that he prepared. Thank you. Famous. Exactly. But anyway, Mike and Saritha, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Uh, before we get into this really interesting subject of donor-advised funds, which on the surface may not sound particularly interesting, but I think uh, will be very fascinating to people, uh, I thought, can you talk about what you're doing professionally now? Mike, you graduated in 2014, Saritha in 12, and then your master's in 14. Um, but uh, uh, Michael, why don't we start with you? Uh, what are you doing professionally these days? Yeah, so I'm working with Hope International as a photo and video producer. They're a nonprofit that provides financial services in underserved communities in uh, 16 countries around the world. Uh, so I'm doing photography and video production with them. And then I also do some freelance uh, photo and video on the side, uh, some portraiture work, uh, as well as kind of commercials and uh, mm -hmm. promotional type of videos. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You just got back from Rwanda, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. so I was there mm -hmm. for a little over a week. Right. for Hope doing some photography for their marketing in Rwanda there. Right. Do you go every year to Rwanda? No. So it, okay. it varies. Mm -hmm. um, uh, last fall I was in Paraguay, mm -hmm. uh, Peru, the fall before. So there's 16 different countries and we need uh, visual content. So I bounce around depending on what we need. Right. That's great. Sarita, how about you? My job's a little different. Um, I am a mental health therapist at a psychiatric hospital called Wellspan Philhaven. Um, I work in the child and adolescent inpatient unit. So my job is doing crisis stabilization work with kids and teens and their families. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, what are some of the major issues, just to get a little professional sure. insight here while we have you, that, uh, <laughs> that, that, that the young people that you're interacting with are facing today? Well, a lot of um, the kids I work with literally come from the ER to me. So the way to think okay. about it is it's kind of like psychological ER slash triage. Um, a huge portion of it is kids who have trouble, <clears throat> you know, with their mental health concerns. So it could right. be, okay. again, suicide ideation. It could be issues with safety, mm -hmm. um, aggression. Sometimes we see kids who are psychotic. So it's a wide range of issues. I bet. Yeah. yeah. And you were a social work undergrad major. That's right. right? Yeah. Yep. And I did my yeah. master's in Right. Mm -hmm. And Michael, you were business. Correct. correct. Yeah. Okay. Right. Great. Well, it's good to have that uh, background. It's been uh, a joy knowing the two of you and uh, the various ways that we've been able to connect since the time that you graduated. Um, but the real subject of this podcast mm -hmm. is, and I, and I threw that little intro and I almost hate to do that, but I really have been thinking a lot recently about there's so much conversation about, you know, different generations and even earlier, I was thinking, you know, to throw in, you could 
talk about stereotypes of baby boomers, stereotypes mm -hmm. of Generation X, of which I'm a part, Y, I don't know if there's a Z in there. You know, they're always onto something. And so I, I feel like it's, it's a particularly, in some ways, annoying thing to me because I feel like every time you talk about stereotypes, there may be some truth in some of these, um, but there are so many examples that are often negative, those stereotypes. Um, and there are, uh, but there are ways that people are really doing some unusual things that are totally the opposite of what a lot of people are saying. And I think one of those has to do with the subject of, of giving. And so the two of you, as well as some others, including some alumni, but not mm -hmm. exclusively, have organized an interesting group of people. So if we could spend um, most of our time uh, talking about that, tell us about how what that is, how that came to be, and then we'll talk about the importance of that. Yeah, so we um, have formed with a group of our friends, a collective charitable giving group, and we formed a donor advice fund through that. Um, it's called the Tim Schill Collective Fund. And how it kind of started was a couple of years ago, um, I had heard a story from a friend who had said she was a part of, again, a collective giving group um, that was formed out of a tragedy. One of her friends has passed away mm. in um, an accident, and it kind of was a moment of realization that they wanted their friendship to be a part of something more meaningful. They wanted their lives to be a part of something more meaningful. And so she had kind of mentioned to me, you know, she was going to meet together every year they gather. Um, they pull their funds and then they give to a charity in that friend's honor. Um, and that kind of really humbled me and stuck with me. And, you know, as we um, have grown and kind of wrestled with what it looks like to live a generous life now and to pursue generosity as a part of who we are, um, as well as to live intentionally with our friends. So, you know, having friendships that are more than just hanging out together, which we really enjoy. Right. Um, but in our friendships, we kind of find with our closest friends, we tend to wrestle with these issues <clears throat> around how to live generously, how to live intentionally, um, and wrestle with some of the challenges of, you know, we are starting in our careers. We're kind of um, early on. And a lot of times we're trying to figure out how finances work and what it looks mm -hmm. like to give in a season where you feel kind of like, I'm just at the beginning, I don't have a lot of money right. to give. Um, and so the Timshel Collective Fund was kind of um, an outgrowth of that. We wanted to think about how we can give together um, in a way that we could pull our resources beyond what individually we could do. We also wanted to give generatively, so thinking about sustainable giving mm -hmm. um, in a way that would create impact you know, beyond um, hopefully our lifetime. I mean, some of our friends have young children now and the kind of the idea would be that this could grow beyond us. Mm -hmm. um, and we also wanted to confront, I think, a fear um, mm -hmm. and also some of the challenges of feeling like we don't have a lot to give, but really to kind of be willing to see that God calls us to give what we have in our hands now and he multiplies our efforts. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Michael, can you talk a little bit about the difference? And I know that you're not necessarily an expert on this, and we're going to give some information <laughs> on how people can find mm -hmm. expert information uh, on donor advice funds. But um, how is what you've done here different from you just getting together and saying, okay, well, let's all pull, I'm just going to throw, you know, sure. let's all throw, put, put, we've, we've come up with $1,000 and we're going to give that. How is right. this different from doing that? Mm -hmm. For sure. 
Yeah, so the key element where like there's the community and then there's the generativity mm -hmm. uh, that, to your point, like millennials are always challenging the status quo. And I think that's mm -hmm. a big part. Like as you were questioning, this is really wrestling with we want to, you know, we know the Bible says to be generous mm -hmm. and there's the scripture talks about giving and that's a part of our, our life. But how do we do that in a way that is generative? Uh, and it was also within community. So the community piece, Sreetha talked about, we're doing that with our friends, which is kind of challenging that status quo of giving is also often done individually. Mm -hmm. uh, but then the generative part of it is through the donor advice fund, uh, which is basically like an investment account, uh, which is oversimplifying it in some way. Right, There's right. a lot, lot more That's what we're about here, oversimplification. Yeah. Right. Oversimplify mm -hmm. life. Um, but rather than... Uh, right, coming together with their friends saying, hey, we're going to all put together, you know, $500, $1,000, yeah. whatever this year, and then give that to a charity. Um, what if we're able to reinvest that money collectively uh, through this tool, the Donor Advice Fund, and then from the interest we gain on those investments, which you can choose just like any investment account, you can choose more risky investments or safer mm -hmm. investments, your mix of investments, just like any investment uh, you would do otherwise. But the neat thing is when you put it into the donor advice fund, at that point, it's considered a charitable gift. You can write it off in your taxes and mm -hmm. just like you would giving to any ministry. Uh, but then you can then invest that uh, as long as you want and then at any point give from that. And you're not only giving the principal that you invested, but you're able to then also gift the interest mm -hmm. uh, that you earned on that investment. Right. So it keeps growing. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's great. The last thing uh, I wanted to ask is, so what have, how have you benefited from this? And if you, let's say you had a microphone in front of you, <laughs> you were recording, and you had the opportunity to speak to other Karen alumni mm -hmm. who are in this phase of life, um, and not necessarily why should they open a donor advised fund, but sure. what have you learned through this about giving, the importance of giving, and, and what might you say, how would you, you suggest that they consider giving in some capacity? I think one of the things we've been challenged by is living life from the perspective of generosity versus scarcity. Um, a lot of times, you know, when you look at your budget, you feel kind of like, oh my goodness, every dollar is accounted for. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and I think one of the things that we've seen is when we choose to maybe live sacrificially through giving, um, it actually helps us kind of, it's a lesson of trust in the Lord in a new way. It's a lesson mm -hmm. of um, looking at life, our money, like kind of our time and resources as an offering to God rather than feeling kind of like I can only budget this amount or I can only give this much to the Lord, but being willing to um, also see everything from a generous perspective. When you give, mm -hmm. it multiplies. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like in our personal experience, when we continually think about a mindset of generous giving of our resources, our time and our money, um, we've also been able to receive and experience that generosity from others too. Right. And see mm -hmm. God bless us through that. Yeah. Um, so I would really, I don't know, encourage um, <laughs> anybody who's thinking about giving to wrestle with those things. Mm -hmm. I think it's actually really important um, to lean into some of the discomfort of that mm -hmm. and actually kind of mm. learn more or develop kind of your perspective on giving. Mm. Um, I think one of the things we've loved is continuing to grow and learn through mm. this process. We have not arrived right. um, yeah. in any ways. Um, yeah. That's one of our goals. Mm. Um, 
Anything to add, yeah. Michael? Uh, I think on a different note, just the community aspect of it has mm -hmm. been so rich and meaningful. Yeah. Um, where, like I was saying, giving is often such an individual thing, and, and finances in general are often a private thing in you know our American culture, um, which is not necessarily bad. But I think in mm -hmm. this case has been so um, rich and meaningful, and it's <clears throat> sort of funny when we were starting this fund. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> We were getting advice from someone in finance and at the end of the call they basically said like yeah like good luck like i hope you have your friends in a few years yeah. like oh, right. you know mixing yeah. friends and money it's yep. tricky yep. and it's definitely you know we've had some hard conversations mm -hmm. already um but i think that's part of what has even made it so good mm -hmm. uh is learning together but also growing together by challenging um our preconceived notions um just in a lot a, re yeah. a range of as we're setting up this fund, we have to talk through how are we structuring the organization? How are we going to vote on which ministries get it? How mm -hmm. are we, you know, just like all those different pieces. And I think it's been really encouraging to work through those questions uh, and, yeah, just to arrive at those answers and better know ultimately how do we steward the money that mm. God's given us. Mm -hmm. I think one more thing um, I would add to is that we often have a fear that we have too little to give, mm -hmm. um, that like our money is not going to create any impact when it's not, you know, whatever, $10,000, $100,000. <laughs> um, and yeah. one of the things we feel challenged by is kind of the story of the widow's might, where like God asks of you to give what you have. And this is an act of trust and and that participation really in his journey of what he's going to do mm -hmm. with whatever mm -hmm. dollar amount, even if it's $1, mm -hmm. you know, with, Tim Schull, um, all of our members, we don't have a minimum mm -hmm. for what like people need to give to be a part of membership um, because we really value that. No matter what season mm -hmm. you're in, no matter what financial situation you're in, um, it's more about that heart motive of mm -hmm. being willing to give, to be yeah. generous. Yeah. And the cool thing about donor advised funds is whatever amount you put into it, you yeah. can invest that and right. earn interest. So yeah. it can great. only grow. Yeah, yeah, it's very unique. Well, thanks for being with us, Mike and Saritha, and thank you, alumni, for listening. Today, you've heard about an innovative idea for giving that, frankly, you may know nothing about. And I know that Mike and Saritha had to do hours of homework to become uh, pretty well educated on this subject, which is really impressive. So I'd like to encourage you to contact the Regency Foundation at Cairn for more information on donor advised funds, as well as other unique strategies with which you might at this point be unfamiliar. A good place to start is my friend and colleague Keith Johnson's podcast, Advancement. He has a particular episode devoted to this subject, so you can check out the link below our podcast and contact Keith also for more information and help if this subject and our guests have inspired you to learn more. Thanks for listening, and also stay tuned if you would like to hear Mike and Saritha's Heron 10. Okay, you ready? Mm hmm Okay. Who is your favorite professor? Paladino or Putnam? Dr. Campbell Farrell, Jeff Black, all of them. <laughs> Which book did you read during your time that had the greatest impact on you? Veldon's Conversation. Surprised by Hope by N.T. Wright. What spot on campus do you remember the most fondly and why? I'd say the cafe. Lots of good food and good hangs. Um, there's a tree on a hill next to the music building. I used to go there and just lay underneath that tree with my friends, sometimes with myself. It was great. 
Which class rocked you most at the core? I'd say one of the most impactful is students' life and calling and just the way that it challenged my perceptions of uh, how the Bible integrates into everything. Um, uh, which class? I don't know. Um, wisdom literature was really meaningful to me. All my social work classes were super meaningful. I'm not going to answer this one. Just cut it out. I don't know. I can't, I can't answer that one. What was your favorite non-academic related thing to do while you were here as a student? Or while you were there as a student? I was an RA and I really loved that. Um, wow. Michael is failing at Carrington. <laughs> One of the favorite things would definitely be Frisbee Ultimate. <laughs> Flip the words. <laughs> All right. Ready? Three, three, two, one. What was your favorite thing to do on campus? I really, <laughs> I really enjoyed hanging out with friends and playing ultimate frisbee. Excellent. Which food in the cafeteria was your go-to? Salad bar plus rotisserie chicken. Freshman year, a bit of everything. Senior year, more salads. What was your favorite off-campus spot to go with friends? Langhorn Coffee House. Langhorn Coffee House. What did you miss most about the university after you graduated? I'd say the relationships with fellow students and faculty. Being able to share a wardrobe with all my friends. And what is the one thing about Karen that you hope will never change? I'd say the way that professors really intentionally integrate the Bible into everything they teach. Mm -hmm. Mike and Saritha Rothermel's <laughs> Karen 10, perhaps the most difficult one to get through. <laughs> I have done the Ever? discord. Thank oh, you. Oh, no. We're sorry. <laughs>